This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI. Let's wrap up the Friday show and wrap up our broadcast week by finding out what's going on in the world of inclusive literature. Karen McKay is the communications manager at the Center for Equitable Library Access and joins us to talk about what's going on in the literary world and offer up a couple featured selections for you as well. Hey, good morning, Karen. Good morning. Karen, you've always got the inside scoop on all the literary awards going on, and that includes the Governor General Literary Awards. They announced their finalists this week. So let's start here. What do the Governor General Literary Awards celebrate? Well, like many of the other awards that we've been talking about, they celebrate Canadian literature and authors and and writing. There's seven categories for this um, award in two different languages, so 14 different categories. So there is a lot of, yeah, there are a lot of books that they highlight. Um, Some of the ones are ones that we, you know, might not read a lot about, English to French translation, French to English translation, uh, drama. Uh, but we focus with with our relationship with the Governor Generals. We focus on making sure that the sort of the big name books, so the fiction and nonfiction, both French and English, are in our collection. Right. So I was going to ask that follow up question there: How these awards, awards and competitions end up uh, being a bit of a guiding light for an organization like Sela? Well, we know that people want to read books that have buzz. And in the Canadian literature, it's, it's award season. And so these are the books that often have buzz. Um, what I love about this year's selections for the Governor Generals is there's some familiar names, but there's also some some books and some names that we might not otherwise know. So I think the awards in general are doing a, a really great job of highlighting new and upcoming writers, of making sure that it's not just the same old canon of literature that we're being exposed to. Uh, there's lots of diverse voices. There's lots of very diverse perspectives. There's authors of, of color. There's Indigenous authors. And so for to answer your question, they these awards sort of help guide some of the books that we want to buy and that we want to highlight in our communications and our promotions Mm. to make sure that people know that they're out there and that they can participate in these conversations, right? There's lots of opportunities to do book clubs and, and, you know, libraries do a lot of promotion around these sorts of books. And so we want to make sure they're accessible to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Karen, let's jump over to your featured selections. International Artists Day is next week. And you want to highlight books that celebrate art. So let's begin here. What the Ermine Saw by Eden Collinsworth. Yeah, so this is a new one to our collection. It was published in May of 2022, so it's a new book. Um, And I thought this was a really interesting selection to talk about. So there are only four portraits of women known to be painted by uh, Leonardo da Vinci. And this is the story of one of them and how it came to be. So the painting is called Lady with Ermine. And the model for that painting was a, a young woman named Cecilia Gallerani, and she was the mistress of a very influential duke in Milan. And her her lover was a very ruthless man, and he was aware of Leonardo's uh, sort of rising prominence and, and knew what a painting of his um, of his mistress would do to reflect his own political power. So the it's a very interesting painting though. The woman's looking away from the, the artist and she's holding an ermine, which is known to be rather a vicious animal. So it's kind of an odd juxtaposition. She's a beautiful young, uh, young woman. 
and we get to follow this painting through the through its history. So da, uh, da Vinci actually kept Lady for Ermine for years. He changed the number of times, and he actually added the Ermine later, changed its size and color, and then it went on to the Duke until the Duke got married and his his wife sent the mistress and her child and the painting out of the house. And then the world loses track of this painting. There's no records of, of its provenance for about 250 years. And then in the 1800s, it was purchased in um, Italy by a, a noble Pol uh, Polish nobleman. And he bought it for his mother. And we follow the painting through. It ends up in the hands of the Nazi high command. There's a struggle over who gets to own it. Um, Hitler wants it added to its private, his private collection. And so the painting, we get to sort of see the world through the painting's eyes. Um, some of the most, you know, um, uh, disruptive times in, in history until it comes to rest in a museum in Poland where it still is right now. So we learn not just about Leonardo da Vinci and the times that he uh, was painting in and the politics and the culture, but also we sort of follow that painting through through history. What's interesting about this painting is that it changed not only portraiture but also its purpose and it becomes um, in some ways part of a power structure so it's a beautifully researched book it's not academic it's historical uh, but it's not fiction but it is um, it reads like fiction it's really I love books that take one element of a of a, a culture and use it to explain mm. the history that's happening around it. it it sounds kind of thrilling it almost sounds like a thrilling read just loaded with interest, interesting little tidbits and, and, and a historical look at art that's so cool yeah, yeah, I think folks will really love this one. And you get to learn interesting little bits. Like, I did not realize that um, uh, Leonardo da Vinci was ambidextrous and that he painted with both hands. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, which is cool. So you learn lots of, like, interesting tidbits. Great to drop at a dinner party or something, too. I can't paint with one hand. So, I mean, that's really remarkable. I know, he can use two. Uh, Karen, <laughs> let's jump over to What's So Funny by David Cypress. Yeah, so this is another new one in our collection. It was published earlier this year, and it's a memoir by the New Yorker cartoonist David Cypress. So we get to meet his New York City Upper West Side Jewish family. His dad uh, grew up in, he's Jewish, and he grew up in grinding poverty in Russia. And he immigrated to the U.S., and he was a self-made businessman who ran a very upscale jewelry store. David's mother was um, a bit neurotic, and his sister had some fairly severe emotional problems. So David escapes by drawing and cartooning, and it's a creative outlet for him. We get to sort of see the, the progression of his life. There's some funny stories. He uh, tricked his sister into rocketing a pet turtle out of his bedroom window. Um, and we learn that he walks away from his PhD at Harvard uh, in Russian history because he wants to be a professional cartoonist. So throughout the book, his cartoons are sort of sprinkled in and they give us a really kind of an aha moment about where uh, cartoonists and artists get their ideas from. It's funny, it's sad, it's melancholic, um, and I think it's just an interesting insight into a, a different kind of artist, not a fine artist, but a, a cultural artist, and, and I, I think folks will appreciate the insights gained into art and its, its muse. Karen, as always, I have desperately mismanaged the clock, so I have to hold you to one minute <laughs> on This Is What I Know About Art by Kimberly Drew. Well, that'll be a quick book because it's a little tiny uh, volume, but it's basically a, it's a young woman named Kimberly Drew, and she reminds us that art is uh, has space for not just the elite, or every, but for everyone. 
she wants to um, take away the whitewashing that's happened in fine art. And so she's a young woman. She does an internship at a museum in Harlem and changes her life. And she wants to talk to people about the impact of black artists and underrepresented artists and why their voices matter in this space and how we can create space for them. Karen, I know you've got two more here. We don't have time to get to them today. So I tell you what, when we talk to you again in two weeks, let's do a double featured selections. Let's finish up what you've got here and then we'll do a separate one. So we'll just be giving people so much for their reading list that we can send them retreating for a couple of weeks. Awesome. That'll be great. (laughs) That's Karen McKay, the communications manager at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.